This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Yesterday, it was Guritan Singh, brother of the federal NDP leader and star NDP candidate. Today, it's Jill Andrew, the NDP candidate in St. Paul's. These are the latest candidate explosions in a campaign marked by controversies over dubious nomination uh, races and poorly vetted candidates. And let me be the first to say all parties have been effective. With just over a week to go, all the parties are looking for dirt and finding it. Yesterday, Guritan Singh was under fire for holding an F the police sign at a demonstration in 2006. He did not apologize, leaving that to the leader, who said he's turned his life around since then. I'm not even sure what that means, because as far as I know, he was not exactly some kind of delinquent. He's now a lawyer. But what exactly are his politics and his beliefs? Meanwhile, we found out about a much more recent post by Jill Andrew. She is the candidate in St. Paul's, where she used a racial slur to describe police chief Mark Saunders. Now, Jill Andrew is black. She is a self-described queer fat activist. I say that in quotes, quoting her. And the slur she used is a derogatory term to describe what used to be called an Uncle Tom, and that's also a derogatory term. She did not apologize, instead releasing a statement, I recognize that loaded terms compromise discussion. My decision to stand for elected office is a positive step towards engaging with difficult conversations in our city and throughout the province. Now, you also in the news just heard a very awkward explanation from Andrea Horvath. Uh, so I want to know, what, what do you make of all these things? We've, we've had uh, lots of problems with some PC candidates. Liberals also have nomination problems. I want to know if this is going to affect your vote and just what you make of it all together. The numbers 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. Right now, we go to Sue Ann Levy, investigative columnist at Post Media. Hi, Sue Ann. Hi there, Libby. How are you? Fine. Now, how did you find this uh, latest stuff on Jill Andrew? Well, there, you know, the information is coming out of the woodwork because once you start doing one, uh, and I've done a couple now, I think it started uh, about a week and a half ago when I um, did the piece on the, full, I guess it's going on five anti-Israel candidates. And then, you know, it's kind of one thing led to another. It's sort of like the ripple effect. Well, if you think this is bad, take a look at this person. So it's just kind of been happening. Um, but I think what it proves, Libby, is that, first of all, I don't think these candidates were properly vetted at all. And if they were, this party has moved so far to the left, I'm meaning the NDP, um, from what Andrea Horvath 
uh, previously had as a sort of centrist party. They've moved so far to the left, and they've got a bunch of social justice warriors running for them. Not a concern if they were going to be in the opposition or sitting languishing on the back benches, but you know, if they're poised to win, like, what kind of cabinet material do we have? Well, you know, Andrew it, and St. Paul? It, okay, so here's here's the thing, and I've heard this by way of explanation, and, and you know, uh, up until a few weeks ago, the idea that the NDP could win in St. Paul's, like, they didn't have a snowball's chance in you-know-where, yeah. and uh, would have had difficulty raising candidates. So is is that uh, an explanation, a good explanation, in, in your opinion? Well, you know, I don't know if she's even going to move the needle at all for the NDP. I mean, I remember when I ran in 2009, uh, the NDP candidate was quite likable and, and, you know, very centrist and certainly not a social justice warrior. Uh, however, I, I suspect that she came in late in the game from the looks of uh, the postings, her social media postings, and I think that's probably part of the reason that her uh, Facebook and Twitter feed was not scrubbed. So I don't know if we have to be concerned about her necessarily. I think the Liberals are going to take St. Paul's, unfortunately. But um, I think that, you know, there are some very uh, strong social justice warrior, uh, crazy candidates running in Toronto, and I think they have a very good chance of winning, like Jessica Bell in University of Rosedale, um, and, you know, several others who probably haven't even come out of the woodwork yet. Here's what interests me about this, and I, I will go on the record. I'm interested in St. Paul's. It, it is my writing. It's mine where as I well. Live. Mine as well. Yours as well. Okay, yeah. so I remember back in the old days, I don't want to date myself, when it was a bellwether writing. It is no yeah. longer no. a bellwether writing. That It was redrawn. But uh, it's been liberal for over 20 years. Yeah. It was the writing of Eric Hoskins, the former health minister. Now, he pulled out. It, it was a surprise to the rest of us. Mm-hmm. And the three candidates running are, shall we say, not exactly household names? No, so they're not. Yeah. I, I would have expected that there would be a lot of people who want a change who would vote based on the general situation without knowing very much about the candidates. But that might change now that these things are coming out. So, you know, is that just, you know, last minute dirt? Um, I think that, you know, St. Paul's uh, is no longer a bellwether riding because, you know, it, it, I worked this riding like crazy when I ran in 2009, and I know it quite well. And, you know, there is a whole uh, sizable tenant population uh, that generally votes liberal or doesn't vote. And um, so it's very hard to win now as a, a PC candidate. Um, I I, like I said, I don't think, I have not seen any signs for Ms. Andrew. Uh, actually, I've, I have a few, but lots yeah. of liberals. It's the only yeah. place I pass through that I see a lot of liberal signs. Yeah, and I've seen both liberal and conservative, but hardly any for Ms. Andrew. I think I saw my first sign last night on uh, my way biking home from work. But um, I just went to her campaign headquarters, actually, to seek her out. I wanted to talk to her as a, um, I guess, somewhat fat-challenged Jewish lesbian. <laughs> and okay. I wanted to talk to her about, you know, her not only her slur, which I thought was a slur, but I wanted to talk to her about her crazy ideas around fat-shaming, which I, I think border on dangerous, actually. So, But she wasn't there. 
Okay, she wasn't there. She Maybe she was out knocking on doors. Uh, apparently not. She's getting ready for some debate tonight, which turns out is not really a debate. It's a tenants association um, meeting, but uh, whatever. Um, and I doubt very much she'll ever talk to me. Well, so. yes, yeah, uh, Suhan, I've got to tell you, there are a lot of people who don't want to talk to you. <laughs> I go, I'm quite used to it, believe me. Um, so it's just, I mean, you know... You're talking about NDP candidates. Mm. The PCs have a lot of problems of their own different kind of problems. Right. Problems with, you know, very irregular nomination races. We have, uh, we have, you know, um, under investigation, uh, the 407 thing. So, you know, do you all come out even in this, in, in your estimation? Um, I think what concerns me about the NDP, I mean, for a variety of reasons, and, uh, you know, it's, it's the, the platform and the, the, the sort of Bernie Sanders-esque kind of promises that have been made by Bis Horvath, number one. Number two, uh, she's not shown any leadership whatsoever on these controversial candidates. And then the third thing is that these people could be forming uh, a government and leading ministries. And I, 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 you know, this is, these people are all steeped in identity politics, virtue signaling, um, and they represent sort of the shift in our society that uh, is, I don't think is, is that, that uh, nice to see. I mean, I, I'm... I, you know, where your point of view is not tolerated. Uh, I am more oppressed than you because I happen to be black and fat as opposed to I'm white and fat, you know, that sort of thing. And I, I, I really fear, besides the spending, that these people are going to be running our government and, 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 and setting an example for our children. God knows what they do with the education system. Anything else? What about uh, the, the problems with the, the PC candidates? Well, I think, uh, you know, if I have to say one thing, uh, certainly it's been no shortage of drama. And, um, but I think that if I could say one thing about Doug Ford, and he does have his flaws, uh, he acted on many of them right away, many of them. Uh, whether it was Tanya Granick Allen or the candidate associated with the 407. Okay, let, let, me, let me just interject there. He acted on them when there was still time to replace them with another candidate. Yeah. Anything that's come out since then, he has not acted on. Well, Andrew Lawton is a different story. I would ne- ne- not necessarily have uh, uh, you know, uh, made the decision that was made. Um, so, you know, I, I agree on that point. But, um, you know, uh, I can't think of anybody else that, I mean, he's trying to clean up the party. I know that when he inherited the party um, and inherited the leadership, it was a complete mess. And I think that there are a lot of skeletons that he's still trying to deal with from the Patrick Brown days, frankly. So, you know, and everybody else sort of had a head start over the PCs. And, you know, if I'm going to say anything, I think they've done it. He's done. He's tried to do it a job, and he's tried to clean things up. And he's, you know, he he's he hasn't had a lot of time to do it. Okay, Suan, thanks very much for your perspective. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Bye bye. Bye. Okay, let's take a couple of calls. We've got Woody in Etobicoke. Hi, Woody. Hello, Libby. Thanks for taking my call. 
wow, that lady sure had a lot of talk time before before me. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we're all entitled to our opinions. Uh, I was just, uh, you touched on a subject about uh, um, a lot of candidates are, are having problems, and uh, uh, this lady uh, saying that uh, uh, Mr. Ford attended to them right away, immediately. I was just wondering, uh, what about the 29 who have been charged regarding the 404? Uh, 407 issue, you know, and that they are being investigated. Now, to uh, look ahead, if, supposing if any of them were elected, and then they found found guilty after the investigation, they would have to be uh, by elections. And Mm -hmm. uh, that would cost, uh, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the taxpayers quite a bit of money, you know, and uh, Mr. Ford keeps talking about trying to save taxpayers money, etc. I think it's uh, rather irresponsible of uh, this uh, issue could uh, could happen, you know. It's a it's a possibility, and uh, there's uh, that that could be the case. Mm-hmm. So they should have been uh, dealt with. Right away, and uh, well, the main guy in that 407 investigation was replaced as a candidate. Uh, there have since been uh, things coming out that other people uh, were either involved with it or used the information, and those people were not removed uh, because I think because those things came out when it was too late to replace a candidate. But he did the first big one, he did replace the candidate. Well, then, uh, yes, uh, if these uh, others have been uh, found guilty later on, then it'll, it will be by elections, won't they, if they are elected? Yeah, okay. So uh, does any of this uh, play into your vote, Woody? Oh, yeah, for sure. Because, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm thinking about fairness and uh, uh, sympathy, uh, you know, compassion and uh, on humanitarian grounds. Uh, I think... Uh, Andrea has spoken on issues and dealing with issues which are um, going to deal with uh, the situation of people who are trying to make ends meet with two, three jobs, and they don't even have time for, to look after the children. And she's talked about uh, um, childcare, daycare, and, and dental, and, and Medicare. You know, these things help the common person. Okay, thanks very much for that, Woody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, let's go to Bernie in Mississauga. Hello, Bernie. How you doing, Libby? Fine. I remember Tommy Douglas saying when the battle got hard, this is not the time for sunshine shoulders and fair-weather friends. The coordinated attack on the NDP this week must prove that Angela Horvath has a good chance of forming the government and the very threat to the liberal and conservative establishment that has run this province for years. So all I'd say is to people, keep up your courage, go forward, be brave, vote NDP, and never mind all, all the negativity you're going to hear for the next few days. Okay, well, we've got NDP supporters calling in today. Thanks, Bernie. Let's go to Karen in Hamilton. Hello, Karen. It's Sharon. Oh, sorry, I got the wrong name here. Sharon, hello. Hello, Olivia. How, how are you today? I'm fine. You're on the air. Please go ahead. Um, I would, I'm still going to vote for Andrea, Andrea Horvath because I think she would make a good leader for this country, and I think that 
all the things that she says she's going to do, she'll probably do them. And and all of this stuff coming out about some of their candidates, so uh, it appears that some of their candidates are pretty, uh, very pretty far left. Uh, does that affect you at all? No, it doesn't. Okay, okay, Karen. Thank you very much for that, Sharon. Sharon, I'm sorry. It's uh, I'm sorry about that, Sharon. That's okay, Olivia. Okay, bye bye. Bye bye. Okay. Uh, We are going to take a quick break, and we are going to be back with more about this. We're going to take more of your calls. We've got Brett Bell from Hill & Knowlton and more. Uh, So we're coming back right after this. The numbers to call before we go, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740, and we'll be right back. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We have been talking about the latest, quote, candidate explosions. Uh, They are affecting the NDP, and it is undoubtedly because the NDP has been surging in the polls. We're trying to find out how that affects you, and we are going to be getting to your calls and your questions. Also, I would like to welcome Brett Bell from H&K, and uh, Tom Parkin, an NDP commentator. Welcome. Hi. Hi there. Okay. Tom, let's start with you. What's your reaction to both of these controversies over two of your candidates, including a star candidate? Um, well, you're probably, uh, first of all, talking about Gurtan Singh, who is a bit of a star candidate. Uh, he is a criminal defense lawyer now. He's about 34, I think, and he, um, and he said it yesterday. He, uh, he did something when he was 22 that he regrets. I, I don't think it's um, irrelevant that he's uh, a guy who's of uh, Indian background and he was strongly opposed to the police carding practice. But nonetheless, he said, you know what, I, what I did then was wrong, and people will either accept or reject or partially accept and reject that rationale, but he's, he is a strong candidate, he's a smart guy, and I think he'll do well. As for the other comments, um, you know, she made a, uh, she called somebody a name on her Facebook. I'm not sure that that's all that relevant. Uh, this is a person who was engaged in the political process, and she said this morning that her comment that she put on her personal Facebook was, you know, she said it wasn't the best language she could have used. Um, and she says that she's wanting to engage in politics because she thinks she can make a difference, which I think is absolutely the correct thing to say. And if we line that up against these rebel media folks and these people who uh, hang out with alt-right kind of characters on the conservative party, I think we're stacking up. I think we're stacking up a, a, a mountain against a molehill. We've got people like Andrew Lawton. We've got people like Donna Skelly. We've got... Uh, Mr. Ford himself, who won't show us a plan for government, how much he's going to spend, how much he's going to cut, where he's going to get the money from. These are the big issues. Well, well. Uh, before we get to Brett, um, the, uh, the big issue or the issue that uh, conservatives are highlighting, they're saying that a lot of your candidates or a number of your candidates represent a very far left point of view, while Andrea Horvath is out there being the moderate face of this, and that uh, they're telling people to be concerned if the NDP gets in government, that people from the far left will be running the government. Is that a reasonable 
criticism. Yeah. But in fairness, Libby, I don't really think that flies. I mean, I used to live in Regina, and I used to work for the government of Ray Romano. And I think people, especially if you're a little older and wiser, they understand who Roy Romano is and the kind of government he ran. He's a guy who intensely believed that we need to really be advocates for our businesses and workers in our, in our province so that we can generate the wealth that, that pays for the social programs that make us wealthy, that give us stability of life. So, you know, this is where we're going to be going. The, 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 these kind of people who worked in those governments uh, are key people in this incoming government, hopefully. Uh, and as for the PCs, again, their, their plan doesn't add up. They, they, they won't show anything about where their cuts are going to fall. So we don't know if it's going to be health care. We don't know if it's going to be, you know, drug plans get, get scratched. It's, it's just uh, an irresponsible risk, Doug Ford. Uh, I'd like to bring in Brett Bell, who is the VP of Digital at Hill and & Knowlton, and he has some ideas on the role of social media. He's a longtime political activist and uh, on the conservative side has run digital campaigns. Brett, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks very much. I appreciate being here. Okay, well, so first of all, with all of this, we see a different side of social media where it's it's taking people down because they're finding things yep. on social media. How does that play into people's final decisions, in your opinion? I think it's. Uh, I think it it it's, it varies. I think we we can't overstate. Uh, I think it's important for us to not overstate it. Look, if so, even somebody that's in the space that's on digital, I think we have to put everything into perspective. I think that this is noise that's happening, and, and part of a part of a discussion uh, on, as part of an election. This goes back. <clears throat> this is certainly not uh, only limited to the NDP. This is certainly not only limited to the 2018 election. This is. It's almost like clockwork. We we will see um, various various parties and various uh, you know uh, various attempts from different war rooms to bring in you know to, to sort of highlight the silly things that people have done on social media. It's happened. It's happened. You know, for all the really essentially since social media has been a factor, it's been something that people have gone and dug up, and it's. It's it's fairly predictable. Um, at the same time, I think you know. Look, look, it's 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 useful for for the various parties to club over club over the head uh, the the party that they're talking about in this particular case, the NDP. Uh, so it's a useful it's a useful you know we're here talking about it. So it's I'm sure I'm sure um, Tom would rather be talking about his his policy platforms, but here we are. Um, so certainly it's it, from that perspective it's it's a it's a factor. But in terms of like the average everyday person uh, you know focusing on these, no, it tends to be people who are far more interested and in, who follow this debate and follow this discussion in terms of where it fits on 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 their factoring. And I doubt it factors that high on their on their list of things uh, to think about. I'd like your take on uh, using social media posts to predict the winner or to predict where things are going. What's your take on that? Well, I, as you as you alluded to, I, I I've done some research specifically on Facebook, um, and we posted that on HKInsights.ca. And one of the things that we I've been looking at very closely is is there a better way for for us to predict um, how people are going to vote that maybe the polling either it aligns with the polling or it doesn't align with the polling. Maybe it's maybe in some cases it's 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 saying the same thing and re- reinforcing, or sometimes it, it it's not. Um, it, it could be a deviation. So is there a way? What the question? I wanted to ask was, is there a better way for us, or is there an, an alternative way for us to look at, read the tea leaves, and understand and have a prediction on what's going to happen in the in the election. 
And one of the things I looked at was specifically was Facebook and, and the, the data around um, sort of who is engaging on, on social and how and how are they doing so. And because I found with Facebook specifically, um, there's so many people that are um, that are following Facebook, like that are that are sort of on Facebook. It's so ubiquitous. Um, I was just looking at some of the stats before before you had me on. Okay, even the, and and even the, even the 18 to 34s, right? Like we're yeah. talking about um, they're 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 82 percent of them are on Facebook. So I mean, it's it's across the board. No matter how old you are, Facebook is so important. And what we found is that Doug Ford is really in the driver's seat right now. They he his people, uh, his supporters, and the people for both Doug Ford and the Ontario PC party, they're the most engaged, they're the most active, they're the most sort of out there. And, you know, it really seems to belie, some pollsters have said this, but it really seems to suggest that he has a very, very active base and that they're, the people that are, that, are, that are sort of attracted to his message are very, very engaged in terms of sharing and commenting and liking mm-hmm. and sort of being engaged uh, every day on, on Facebook. Uh, Tom, what's, what do you say to that? Yeah, that that's an interesting point, and I wouldn't dispute it. Um, I think it plays exactly into something I see, which is that there's a very hardcore uh, troop. It's kind of the rebel media gang well, who are intense believers in uh, a certain style of conservatism, not one that I have much time for. Uh, it is not a lot a of very moderate of conservatives as well. I mean, just to be fair. Yeah, and they are involved in this campaign. Absolutely. Uh, too involved, in my opinion. And I just, but I don't think, I don't know that, she, my issue is I don't know that sharing in itself um, means, uh, if people are fervent about something, does that mean that they're good? I don't buy that one necessarily. Um, I, w- I saw uh, an interesting interview with, um, an, uh, with a woman, and I can't remember her name now, on uh, TVO just the other evening. Oh, Yes, about Polly. Yeah. Which is yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We interviewed her here idea. as well. Yeah, Aaron Polly's Kelly, not ready. Erin Kelly, I think her name. Is. Yes, Erin yeah. Kelly. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I thought that was—it's an interesting idea. She's she's suggesting that you can monitor uh, social media, and it and it will be relatively even in predicting poll as the same as polls outcomes. But I don't know what her what her model is and how that might differ from what uh, Hilda Knowlton is doing. Yeah, I've been certainly asking the same question in yeah. terms of in, in terms of that as well because and and sure it's a fair, it's a fair point. Yeah, I mean it's a fair point that that, yeah. that Tom is raising, which is where we get, where are the sources where we where are we looking at. And I think that one of the things I, I I'm I'm out there saying I think that this is an interesting thing to pre- to pre- predict on, and 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 it's it's fair it's a fair comment. We won't know until we get there. I think the idea, the the, the premise of what I'm looking at in terms of the you know it's easy to like it's easy to like a page or it's easy to to sort of do those it takes do those two seconds. Fairly, yeah, to take those passive things. But when you're actually when you're commenting, when you're sharing, when you're doing those kind of things that are a little bit more active and that you're sort of putting yourself out in front of something that that to me. And based on my experience, that is an indicator that you've got more skin in the game, right? That you're more that you're more sort of invested in it. And 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 you know, I think the, the it's a fair point that that Tom raises, and it's a question that I'm asking myself too. But that's that's why I think this is an interesting exercise: is will that translate to votes? Um, at, you know, at on, on election day, will these people who are active in these communities is it a subset of of people, or is it a or is it a larger? You know, is it a is it is it represent of the larger population. And again, that's part of the reason why I looked at Facebook, because there's far more people in Ontario on Facebook than they are on, say, Twitter 
or Instagram or Snapchat or LinkedIn or whatever. So it, it, it is the big game in town, and that's why I sort of uh, focused primarily on Facebook. And the thing that I find so interesting is that that we are seeing we are seeing some movement, but it's the question of the degree to the movement. And I think somebody like Doug, I, I do think that you know what we've seen it reflecting in the polling. It's not just social media. I think that there has been a number of of polls that have come out that have essentially said, look, we, you know, Doug's people, regardless of what how 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 large they are in number, they're they're you know, by definition in, in talking to them, they're the most, A, they're the most likely to go out and vote, and B, uh, that they're they're angry, right? So okay, they're, they're fired I, up. So. Uh, just before I get to the phones, and people have been waiting uh, patiently, sure. I just, I've seen it reported that in order for the NDP to win and to make the most of this surge, they really have to get young people out to vote. So just quickly, both Brett and Tom, is that correct? Yeah, I think there's three groups that the NDP really has to uh, look at very closely right now. The NDP is handicapped because it has less incumbents, and the Conservatives uh, have a, uh, are probably doing better in the rural ridings that have less voters. So um, if, if it's a tie in the polls, that means the PCs are ahead. So the NDP has to, has to do even better to, in order to win. That's kind of like what we saw in the United States. Uh, on the three groups, I can bunch two of them together. One is your typical green voter, your typical liberal voter. And they really, really have to decide now whether they're going to put their province or, or, their, or their planet ahead of their party. Um, there's a big choice to be made because the only one who can stop Doug Ford is Andrew Horvath. So there's a lot of people who, you know, maybe Andrew isn't their first choice, but they know that. They know that she's the only one. They, those people can keep up their lawn sign. They can make their donation to their traditional party, but their ballot is secret. And they, I think, will want to lend their vote to Andrea Horvath this time because uh, that's the only way to make sure that Doug Ford never, ever becomes a premier of this province. So that's two groups. And the third is, I absolutely agree, young voters. Young voters need to get out there. They need to uh, participate, and usually they, they participate at lower levels than other uh, Much lower groups. levels. Yep. Okay, uh, I'm going to get to some of these people who've been uh, waiting patiently. We've got Terry in Mississauga. Hi, Terry. Uh, hello. <clears throat> the reason I'm calling is uh, I was listening to Doug Ford the other day, and he was talking about, uh, <clears throat> well, condemning the uh, NDP for uh, wanting to shut down this uh, plant in uh, Darlington, because, and buying that very expensive hydro from Quebec, which is the cheapest in Canada. Now, we know that uh, as far as uh, Darlington goes, if they have to put any money money into it, trying to refurbish it, it's very expensive. And uh, that, to me, would be out of the question. Now, we do know that he has one policy. He's going to give a tax break to the big corporations. That's, but we don't know what his other policies are. Yeah, so are you saying that uh, you're voting NDP? Is that what you're saying? I, uh, I haven't really decided, but I'm leaning that way. And what I wanted to also say was that he's, Ford is treating the uh, uh, voters of this province like they're mushrooms. He's keeping them in the dark and feeding them BS. Okay, and Terry. You can't buy that. Thanks, Terry, for that. You're quite welcome. Okay, Barbara in Toronto. Hi, Barbara. 
Hi. Thanks for taking my call. You're very welcome. One of the reasons we need a leader in your area, that's what you need. If I'm going to vote for a 25-year-old, what experience do they have? That's exactly what I looked at. It and doesn't matter which party. So are, are there 25-year-olds running in your riding? In my riding, I have only seen one person that has even come in. The rest of them, never seen them. So uh, I have no idea what's going on. But there's another one around Hamilton area that has three of them, all of them in their 25s, and uh, they're NDP, as well as liberal, as well as conservative. What experience do they have, and how can they even get to be leading a group of people? That's my biggest concern. We're going to put people in, and they have not the experience to guarantee that we can move forward as a province. And you only vote for the person in your area. You do not vote for the premier. We never vote for a prime minister. And at one time, we never used to be even vote for a mayor. So if I'm going to vote for somebody that cannot stand up for me, what is the use of voting anyways? Oh, there's always a use of voting. I think you're bringing up some very important points, Barbara, and I appreciate your call. Thanks very much. Thank you for taking my call. Okay. Have a good day. Okay. Uh, we're going to have to, uh, we're starting to run out of time. So she brings up the demographic factor. We have young candidates that puts off some older voters like Barbara. You know, and older voters vote in overwhelming numbers. So, Brett, how is that going to play in? And we know that younger voters don't always show up. No, it's true. And uh, that's something that all of the, you know, for varying reasons, um, you know, I think that's all what all the parties need to deal with and face. And I think um, from a digital perspective, I think that it's a question of it's the same thing no matter what, which is how do we get them to translate enthusiasm to voting? And, you know, from whether it's Barack Obama or Justin Trudeau, uh, the ones who have been very successful have been able to make that transition by having a very strong campaign infrastructure. And I think what it's going to boil down to, and we've been talking a lot of people have been talking about this is is who's going to turn out on election day and who has the infrastructure as a party who has the infrastructure to actually identify the vote and pull it out and that's going to make a huge difference in this uh, in this election okay let's go to sophie in hamilton hello sophie libby good afternoon i'd like to give my five cents worth i can hardly hear you but here i go uh canada's 150 years old and we've had the pcs and liberals for decades and decades and decades. It's time for a change. I'm not happy with what I have seen all these years. Um, promises are made and promises are broken. People need to look at the character of, of the person. Um, the PC and liberals have been biting at each other like, like old bears, and the NDP has been out there working. We need to care enough about the character of the person, to believe in the character of the person that will do the best for us. Every house has its problems, whether it's yours or mine or someone else's. But, but we need to look at it, we need to communicate, and we need to work things out for the best So those the candidate country. problems don't bother you, Sophie? I'm sorry? The problems with the NDP candidates that have come out in the last day, that doesn't bother you? You know what? Again, uh, they think. They think not of themselves. They think of, of uh, the country as a whole. And they will, they're strong enough and smart enough to be able to talk things over and work things out. Everybody has a problem. I, 
the other two parties, like I say, have been decades in power. Have they not learned anything from their past programs and, and processes? Okay. Okay, Sophie. Thanks very much for that. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, we're basically out of time. Uh, Brett and Tom, thank you very much for joining us. Really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, we're going to keep going with this until Election Day, only eight days away. Exactly. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Okay, thanks, Brett. Thanks, Tom. Take care. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about an issue that has not been much on the agenda and that advocates like CARP say should be there. So we will be right back after this. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.